0: Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e commerce brands face today and real world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today we are talking about something near and dear to my heart, and it's conversion tracking. But more specifically, I'll be going into the nuances of how does what Elevar does, which is essentially conversion tracking, event tracking, compared to other attribution solutions, business intelligence solutions, and everything else that you could be thrown your way when you are considering, what tools or solutions do you need to help secure a trustworthy data foundation, and ultimately, frankly, just help you make better decisions which is ultimately what you really care about. Uh, most no- don't necessarily care about unless you're someone like uh, myself around the other of our team, the nitty gritty and in the weeds of actually data collection and how it works. Most brands just want to get answers from their data so they can make better decisions and scale faster. So the topics I'll be going through today will be Number one, going through just a general overview of the data collection stack, the way that I like to break it down. Then I'll be going through the nuances of conversion tracking which will be a good comparison to how conversion tracking compares to attribution tracking. And number three, I'll be discussing common questions and customizations that we get a lot and these are things that have evolved and changed organically over time. But uh, I think four or five common questions that come up when we have a new brand onboarding and what comes up in their onboarding process and what they need to configure or consider as part of their setup and transition. And last but not least, just giving some general overviews on options that are out there that can be considered, whether it's for tracking for analytics or some of the more nuanced marketing platforms or services that our customers are using. With that, I'm gonna jump in to the data collection stack. And since this is a podcast, I will try to help you visualize as best as I can, but consider a wheel, and you have four spokes in the wheel. And the way that I break down those four spokes is, number one, we have our conversion and event tracking, and this can be considered like the data foundation. So think about your house and you have your foundation in place and you're building things on top of the house and the marketing analytics side of the, uh, the house that is. But getting your foundation in place so you have data going to your analytics tools and your marketing platforms, et cetera. So ultimately with this first spoke, it's getting customer data to your analytics and marketing platforms so they can operate. And operationally, it could be helping produce easy to digest reports so you understand what's going on with your site. That's the easy example of Google Analytics. or if we look at Facebook, Google Ads, etc, the operational aspect for them would be performance analysis, reporting, audience management, etc. So again, that is the first spoke in the wheel for conversion and event tracking and the way that we look at that. So, the one thing I'm going to point out here with conversion tracking and just event tracking, we are pushing data. We are pushing data to the platform. Now contrast that where we look at the second spoke in the wheel, which is attribution and attribution or e-commerce analytics software. So we've had Northbeam on here, uh, Ron from Rockerbox and there's others and Hyros and Triple et cetera. They all have their own nuances and serve different parts of the market potentially, but. So I'm just going to generalize here for the, the four spoke and the wheel visualization, but they are pulling data. So they're ingesting data from analytics and marketing platforms. So think like cost data and other engagement data and potentially their own data. So I know Rockerbox has their own tracking script and Northbeam and uh, Triple Whale and Hyros. Most, most do. Most have their own tracking that are implemented as well. But they're pulling data in. So they're pulling, ingesting all that data from these different tools to ultimately help provide you an objective view on marketing funnel performance. And again, without getting into specifics of each one, this is a very general view, but they are pulling data in and then doing their analysis and ultimately trying to answer those questions that you have of where to spend money most profitably and scale. So that's the second spoken wheel. So, so far we've talked about conversion And event tracking, which is pushing data to the platforms and analytics tools. The second spoke, attribution, which is pulling data in from those platforms. And now the third spoke is the qualitative or survey data. And for this one, it's getting customer data direct from the consumer, as I think coined by my friend Matt from Inquire Labs. But getting customer data direct from the consumer to do many things, but uh, the big thing in the last year is to help combat tracking friction, like iOS, where Facebook reporting uh, was essentially non-existent for many for quite a while, and ultimately balance the quantitative data that's coming from Pixel or analytics trackers. So again, this is a survey data. Think post-purchase: How did you hear about us? What type of influencer did you hear about us? Etc. That's that direct from consumer, and that's that third spoke in the wheel, and this visualization we're going through. And then the fourth is our e-commerce analytics or our BI, so business intelligence tools. And ultimately this is going to help blend data. So you're gonna blend data. Let's say you have your own data warehouse like Redshift or BigQuery or uh, whatever you might be using. You might be using Dacity. I know many many of our customers are using Dacity, but you're essentially blending data, pulling data in from these different platforms. To help extract business marketing and operational insights and in some cases you might be pushing some of that data back into a platform so think pushing custom data into or pushing data into facebook to create custom audiences that's just one one small example here but this again you're connecting potentially 20 to 30 different tools ingesting that and then running different reports and ultimately helping extract uh, insights not necessarily on What type of funnel campaigns are driving the fastest customers and customers with the longest lifetime value, which you might be getting from some of your attribution software. Those could be more operational insights and digging into specifics with SMS and email, et cetera. So that's an overview the way that I look at it. I didn't necessarily vet this against uh, (laughs) Matt and, and Ron and others, but I think just in general, the conversations that we have a lot of our customers and seeing what they utilize and the common crossover that we see in stacks that uh, many many of our customers are using this is generally what that looks like so now let's transition into that first spoke which is conversion tracking and event tracking and obviously this is what elevar does if you are familiar with us and again the, the easiest way to describe this is we are responsible for pushing data into the platforms and versus others are responsible for pulling data out and the value proposition that we have and most other uh, competitors to Elevar or native apps within Shopify, et cetera, have is the value prop for us is number one, capture 100% of orders and site-wide events and ensure that each channel or analytics platform receives it with the whole asterisk of compliance and legalities and everything that would need to be considered. But in general, if you take that away, that's our number one value proposition is ensuring that we send 100% of orders to GA and Facebook and Google ads, et cetera. Number two, as part of that is deliver the maximum amount of user matching data or customer matching data with each of these conversion events. So this is another one that is easy on the surface to understand like, yes, ours needs to get all of my orders that exist in Shopify to Google Analytics. But if we did not consider any customer data, session data, et cetera, associated with that order, then you just have 100% of orders attributed to direct none. And think about that same concept with Facebook conversion API or Google ads. Each platform has different requirements or nuanced requirements in order for them to maximize their ability to attribute that conversion back to a campaign. If we just look at Facebook and Google Ads, Facebook has the conversion API and they have their FBP and FBC cookie and the native Shopify integration, you can run it in parallel uh, with the pixel or if you're using Elevar, same thing, you run it in parallel. But there's all this different uh, user matching data that you'll try, you'll send or try to send in some cases to Facebook to get that score, you know, the 3.2 or 7.8 or whatever that score you might have in your event match quality but trying to maximize that so Facebook can attribute back to the click or the view. And then you have Google Ads, which again, they have their own different process for advanced matching, and they have the enhanced matching API, which you can now upload after a conversion happens to help that match back. But in general, this is a big part of conversion tracking. And if it didn't exist, then you could have all of your orders in each platform, but they wouldn't be attributed to any campaign. So depending on the context that you are discussing conversion tracking or it comes up in team meetings, this could come up when you are discussing Google Analytics and transactions. It could come up when you're discussing performance in ad platforms. So thinking about Facebook performance, TikTok performance, et cetera. This could come up when discussing affiliate tracking and affiliate performance. So think grin or impact, share sale, et cetera. So our Affiliates being maximized, as their conversion tracking being maximized so those programs run effectively for you. Google ads conversions, which I just mentioned. It could even be talking about quiz uh, flows on site. So how many people quote unquote converted through a quiz that they're now on an email list and you can start sending them down that pipeline through SMS or email. It could also consider conversion tracking can be discussed in Uh, Off-site conversion conversations, so think about your Facebook or TikTok shop, embedded purchase events that might happen uh, on a blog or marketing magazine or something like that. So there's there's a lot of context when just the term conversion tracking comes up, or you, you likely aren't even using the term conversion tracking when talking about Facebook performance per se, but those are the nuances when these type of conversations come up that impact or this first spoke in the wheel is going to impact how if those are good conversations or frustrating conversations because the data is not accurate so another nuance here to consider with conversion tracking is conversion doesn't always mean a purchase conversions can be page view events they can be email signups they can be add to cart actions so if you are optimizing potentially campaigns based on uh, add to cart conversions or initiate checkout conversions That's still a conversion that you'd want 100% of that activity to be sent to that platform, even though it's not a purchase. The last part, as I just really uncover and peel back the onion on conversion tracking, is the nuance of that user matching data. So I mentioned a little bit with the Google Ads Enhanced Conversions API and how the Facebook event match quality works. But the nuance really is that it's, again, easy to comprehend okay, user matching data, that means we need the user's email and phone number and address, maybe their customer ID if they're logged in. But then there's that little second set, which is sometimes more inferred. This could be their city, state, country, IP address, user user agent, et cetera, which that isn't always something that's explicitly set in your tracking. Sometimes that is done through magical fingerprinting that many of these trackers are doing or potentially you are making those explicit in your server-side integrations where we're sending that particular data that's collected and uh, off to each channel. But as we continue to peel the onion back, there's also session-related data that rolls up to the user. There are unique parameters that are specific to the channel. So by session-related data, this could be UTMs. So UTM, Medium, Content, Campaign, et cetera. Cookie values. so I already mentioned the FBP and FBC. So these are cookie values that are sometimes session only, depending on device or time frame. These could also span multiple sessions uh, where the FBP cookie is the personal identifier that Facebook uh, uses to try to match back. But these are values that are set on, again, it's invisible to pretty much everybody, but it's, it's in, it, it does exist in that user's browser. And then there are other things like the query parameters, so click ID query parameters from affiliates. So an affiliate that's clicking into the site, they have an, if we're just talking impact radius, as an example, there's an IR click ID query parameter attached to that URL after the user clicked on, you know, listing of best of like best mattresses, et cetera. And they click, click that, you know, go buy mattress X, Y, and Z. And when they land on the site, the URL has that IR click ID query parameter. And that value also needs to be Uh, saved and, and sent to the conversion, or sent as part of the conversion to Impact Radius. So Impact Radius or these other affiliate platforms can ultimately attribute back to the affiliate that potentially created or ultimately created that best of mattress listing that I used in the example. And the last part of the nuance here is, especially with some of these server side integrations, is the platforms have different requirements that they need with every event that's passed. So TikTok needs a timestamp parameter included in all of their events that you're sending through the TikTok quote unquote conversion API or events API that they call it. Uh, Snapchat I think has a unique requirement like this. ShareCell has, has one as well. So these are all examples of, again, when we just quote unquote say conversion tracking is order data and user data, these are all the nuances with user data. So it's not just their email and phone number. It's their session data, like the UTM sister click query parameter data, like the IR click ID. It's timestamps that need to be sent with events that are going server side. I am even getting tongue twisted going through this because there's just a lot to consider with this setup. And this is changing. The platforms are evolving quickly. Uh, Each platform, like I said, has unique requirements. An easy example to try to convince you that they have unique requirements is Just look at the way that they name their integrations. So we have the Facebook Conversion API, the TikTok Events API, the Google Analytics Measurement Protocol API, the Google Enhanced Conversions API. They're all unique APIs with unique requirements, and they change. I'm not going to get into the further complexity on this episode that would dig deep into GDPR, CCPA, and all the different privacy standards that potentially play into conversion tracking. So there's other episodes and there will be future episodes on this, but that is just, that's another layer to add on top to each one of these channels because like Google Ads has a way to accept conversions under consent mode and other channels are still evolving through this process. So as I've gone through those two aspects of conversion tracking so the value prop getting orders where they need to go or pushing orders where they need to go and then the user data associated with that that is ultimately one of the main reasons why we at elevar have so many mutual customers with other solutions that i mentioned that exist in this flywheel or the data stack wheel so the four spokes uh so the dacities and acquire labs Northbeam, beam rocker boxes etc There's just so much complexity and getting the right data to each platform that these other solutions rely on that is critical and ultimately helps prevent the dirty data in and the dirty data out phenomenon that most of us are all aware of. All right, so that was a mouthful on what conversion tracking is and the nuances of it. So now I'm going to run through Some customizations and questions that are pretty common for many of our brands and customers that we see and might be relevant for you as well when you are considering how to set up your own conversion tracking requirements. Question number one is, do you need to send purchase events that happen in off offsite to your marketing platforms? So offsite purchase events could be uh, mobile purchases that happen on uh, mobile apps like Tapcart, It could be your purchase events that happen on embedded shops like the Facebook shop or TikTok shop. It could be subscription recurring sales or recurring orders. Think Recharge and Upscribe, Bold, et cetera. All these subscription platforms that are creating these recurring orders on behalf of the customer. Those orders need to go to Facebook, GA, TikTok, et cetera, or even affiliates. So we've actually had some affiliates with a few of our larger customers where the, if the affiliates are driving subscriptions, they want those subscription orders sent to them as well, the recurring orders. Do you need to track offsite events? So this could be customer chat or phone uh, phone call orders that commonly initiate with draft orders. So there's just a lot of these quote unquote offsite orders that happen outside the online store that some marketers and, and marketing teams may want that data sent to each channel. and. Some may not, you may not want recurring orders to go to Facebook, for example. So that's question number one. Do you need to send purchase events that happen offsite to your marketing and or analytics platforms? Question number two, do you want to use server-side tracking? Server-side tracking can help, number one, remove code bloat from the front end of the site. So as some platforms, they roll out their, I would say post beta conversion API integrations, some platforms are moving to the point where if you implement their server-side integration you can just remove their whole javascript from the site so one example here is impact radius and i think share sale is the same i would say the commonality here is the uh the affiliate affiliate platforms that don't necessarily rely as much on the fingerprinting that happens with the trackers and the pixels so normally if you were to go through an impact radius onboarding or ShareSell, they give you, you know, Word doc or a PDF that's like, hey, copy the script at the top of your head, copy this other script that's gonna create a cookie and store the cookie, and here's your thank you page script that needs to pass the value of the cookie. You can remove all of that from the site if you implement their server-side tracking or conversion API integration, uh, which LLBAR does implement with Impact and some of the other others that I mentioned. So that is where, over time, server-side tracking can really help remove some of that code blow of all that additional JavaScript that has to load on site. The second thing that server side tracking can help, which might be obvious at this point, but this is just improving the accuracy of data that each platform receives. So if you just have the Facebook pixel implemented, you might be getting 80% or so of different activity. However, once you implement the conversion API, then that's gonna fill in that other 20%. So you'll have that 80% from the pixel plus in theory, 100% from the conversion API. Facebook's going to prefer the pixel data at this point. So they'll pull that additional 20% from the conversion API, merge that with the pixel data, and now you're near 100%. So this is the future. Again, the whole asterisk with privacy regulations uh, that would need to be considered with your specific implementation. But on that same token, privacy regulations are also helping expedite this move to server-side tracking. So you can be more explicit on what data you are collecting versus potentially leaving it up to the channel to decide for you on what they're scraping from the user's browser. Question number three, what are your GDPR and or CCPA compliance requirements? So I've mentioned this a couple of times already, so I'll run through this quickly, but there are different and evolving changes with this setup. So I mentioned Google Ads has a consent mode in some of their tags that you can configure. And essentially that allows conversions to be tracked while maintaining user privacy. So this is an important one to consider and one that we see mixed usage across our customers. Um, And the other part we see mixed usage are customers that are utilizing uh, OneTrust or CookieBot or other GDPR or CCPA compliance tools is some are just blocking all tracking by default until user opts in and others are waiting for users to select which trackers they want to approve. A lot of nuance there. I would make sure to just go through that exercise and what you are legally required to do because it could create downstream consequences where you're, where if you are auto-blocking by default and you don't need to that that is going to severely impact the data that you are collecting and ultimately uh, going to utilize or, or rely on to analyze performance. Question number 4 in the customizations that come up in conversion tracking implementations does the channel have dynamic product remarketing capabilities so by that do you have a product feed that you upload to each channel and in this case if you do then the tag that is in gtm or potentially if you're implementing in a different way and also the server-side integration do you have a product id that is configured in that that matches the product ID that is uploaded in the catalog feed to that channel. So this is the, if you're using SKU as your primary product ID or product feed, are you sending SKU in all of your add to cart, purchase hits, et cetera. Last but not least in the questions that come up, we have, do you need or want to offer alternative checkouts? So this is the native checkout versus subscription or offsite checkouts that you might be running through Shopify, you might be on legacy checkouts like legacy recharge, bold, etc. Uh, or you might be using the unified checkout with some of these subscription platforms. The other common one that comes up is upsell, so cart hook, zipify, rebuy, etc. So if you're using that native upsell flow through checkout, how are you configuring conversions for that main purchase landing page where the user completes their order and are presented with the upsell. And then what happens if they take the upsell, take the downsell, land on that thank you page? A lot of nuance there that can happen depending on what metrics you're using in each platform. But that is a very, very critical and important question to consider if you are using some of these platforms. So to wrap up today's episode, I'll go through conversion tracking options. uh, And these are pretty much the same, whether you think about Google Analytics or Facebook or Snapchat, I would say like the big, the big apps that have native integrations or native apps available in Shopify. And then there are some of the others that don't have native apps that option number one, which I'll go through, wouldn't be relevant for you. So option number one to implement conversion tracking, it's a native Shopify integration. So the native GA, um, integration, the native Facebook channel, integration that comes with Cappy. Think about the Snapchat, Pinterest, native channels that exist. Most, I would say you know, 75 to 80% of Shopify stores, these channels are going to work just fine. And it's common and, and sometimes accepted that these integrations might be missing some data. So you could, depending on your demographic of the user base, you might be missing 10% or 20% of data. It, it could you know varies widely depending on the demographic and and i say demographic because a lot of that refers to ad blocker usage but in general if you're let's just say a 10 percent data gap in google analytics for many stores that may not be a big deal your, your decision making won't change between 90 to 100 percent of transactions that are tracked and there also might be missing data as well some missing reports so think about the enhanced e-commerce or Uh, Gosh, even now with GA4 not existing within Shopify, that's probably not as one that you would want to accept. So you might be going through a different route of implementing that through Elevar or GTM or another provider. But in general, when you are considering conversion tracking options for any channel, your first option likely that you'd look at would be the native Shopify integrations or native apps. Option number two, and this I would say falls on the larger end of brands that we work with and what we've seen. And these would be custom integrations. So these are more advanced integrations that require a lot of customization. that customization could be uh, wrapped around privacy. that customization could be because they have headless sites. The customization could be because they just have very, very unique tracking requirements um, and optimizations that they're leveraging through the channel. But I usually don't see these on the you know sites doing less than I'll call it a couple million a year and much, much heavier heavier weighted towards the customers that are, uh, again, scaling fast, very aggressive goals in terms of, of market, both marketing spend and uh, revenue growth. And again, fit one of those customization requirements that I just mentioned. The other point about this and the custom built integrations is usually will we'll require an engineer or potentially a team to help them manage these customizations. Because it is complex, it's not a set it and forget it type of thing because you are you are likely customizing your site, changing it. And if you're changing things and not keep an eye on tracking or you don't have any monitoring in place, then that could eventually cause issues like break or lose some of the data that you are collecting. And option number three when it comes to conversion tracking and integrations is the third-party solutions. Obviously, Elevar falls into this, so you'll have solutions like Elevar Segment, etc., where there's multiple destinations that you can connect to. And there's other third-party solutions that focus more on a specific channel. So if you just go to the app store and even just search conversion API, you'll see a, a several different options where the apps solely focus on the conversion API. And that if that's your only need potentially, or only have one or two of those, that is another option that you can consider. So there's a, a host of different solutions out there that you can go through and, and many of our customers use a combination of. Some are using the, the native integration for Snapchat and Pinterest or even Klaviyo. And then they're using Elevar for GA4 and server-side Google Analytics and the conversion API and even TikTok or ShareSell and Impact Radius. But it's very common to have a mixture of option one and option three, depending on what your unique needs are. And these channels do evolve uh, quite a bit so the Facebook native channel with Shopify that's had a few changes over the last year uh, to TikTok one, especially with their TikTok embedded shop feature rollout that have had a few changes. so keep your eye out when these do change because if you are using one, sometimes it will require you, require you to have to go through and reauthenticate or potentially approve a new feature that's included. So that is a host of information on conversion tracking. And just to recap what we went through, we discussed conversion tracking is just one spoke in your data collection stack wheel. So you have conversion tracking, attribution, survey data, so direct from consumer, and then your business intelligence. And then we talked about conversion tracking is more than just purchase events. So it's not just orders, it's also product views, email signups, add to cart, et cetera and conversion tracking has that nuance and complexity of tracking user and customer data that could be product data could be order data could be customer data session data and ultimately requirements with privacy that play into a lot of those nuanced of integrations and they're they're changing rapidly so that is something that we're expecting especially with uh in europe with gdpr and everything that's going on with uh you know the battle of potential data storage and uh, data flowing to and from the us to europe but certainly an an eye uh, or an area to keep an eye out on and this won't be the last time that i talk about this and the nuances of how to set up conversion tracking and how it relates to other solutions as well that's it for today i hope this was helpful if you have any questions or feedback Shoot me an email, brad at getelovar.com. Otherwise, I will see you on our next episode. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcast. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.